Tom Bernard Show with co-host Catherine Brandt, Alex Brandt Bernard Rasmussen, Mike Molina, Andy Brandt Bernard, Tony Price, and Doug Sprinthal. And we'll be right back. Kick off hour two. Tom Bernard Show. Doug Sprinthal. Oh yeah. Wait, we're honey, on, we're honey, on the air. We're on the air here. Honey. We're talking. This is a live commercial. Oh, yeah, Jesus, Palomino, Catherine. You know. So, Catherine got an email. We're gonna put about Walzer Automotive Group. Walzer.com. So now that she's on air, let's see if the guilt shaming thing will work. I know. You, I know you went bike riding last weekend. Yes. So I when are you gonna sign miles. up for the team? Come on. Come on, Catherine. Hey, let me do two more bike rides. Okay. Just to make sure my, it's your, just it's my posterior needs to I be know. able to handle 26 miles on a saddle. Your butt will be fine. I don't it'll think so. You'll be, <laughs> you'll be okay. 26 miles isn't like something I'm, you can just jump into. I can't. Anyway. If you rode 10 miles, you can ride 26. We're gonna stop a couple of times. A guilt shame to KQ listener who I think is gonna, she's like, oh, I can't do it. And then she posted something about having run a marathon a few years ago. And I said, if you can run a marathon, you can sit on a Three bike for two ago, hours. Three years ago, you can definitely well, ride 26 miles. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, this is about the Tour de Cure. It's June 2nd, uh, Team KQ Walzer, second year. We're looking for riders and donations. You can find a bunch of different places. You can go to the Tour de Cure page and search KQ Walzer. You can go to KQRS, hit the Morning Show podcast, or you can email me, Doug at Walzer.com, where you're accepting donations. All the money, uh, we don't, they don't, they wisely don't let a radio personality and a used car salesman anywhere near the money. It goes directly to the ADA, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, and it's going to be big fun. And it, you'll be done by lunchtime on uh, Saturday, June 2nd, so it's not an all day commitment. Please join. So think about that, Catherine. I will yeah! Think about it. Stop right. thinking and do something. Yeah, stop thinking, rope. Catherine. I'm just going to put a tow rope on thinking, somebody else's bike. Thinking's for idiots. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Never mind. We'll be. Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. That works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Well, you have to be careful how you pronounce his name because Maricón in uh, Spanish means something completely different. (laughs) So, it's Maricone. Believe me, in Italian it means something completely different. It's Morricone. We've been over this. Morricone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can't say Well, you ever learned. You can't say Maricone. Could the the clerk read read back the transcript? (laughs) And yo, Morricone. Morricone, that's what I said. No, you said Morac- it with your fake accent, so it sounded different. Yeah. Macaroni. <laughs> and uh, macaroni. I'm just having a great goddamn day, I'll tell you that. I really am. Uh, but 
<laughs> I will tell you this. It was Emil Griffith, I believe, fighting someone. Uh, and I can't remember the exchange. It was a long time ago. But uh, <laughs> one, fighter, <laughs> one fighter called the other one a maricon. And uh, basically it's the, it's it the, the gay F word in America. Yeah. Oh. Fajot? Yeah, Fajot, yeah. It means Fajot in Spanish, apparently. They okay. use it a lot in Scarface, I think it is. Uh, yeah, it's probably right. That's probably correct. Is he the guy who talks like he has peanut butter in his mouth all the time? <laughs> oh, you talking about Al Pacino? <laughs> <laughs> Marlon Brando sounds like he's got peanut butter in his mouth all the time. He does indeed. Say hello to my little friend. That's is that Scarface? That's that's Scarface. Yes. So then, yeah, he's the one who says it. Oh, he says Maricone all the time. Yes. Yeah, he does. He calls everybody Maricone. Favorite word. I saw some movie news yesterday. What film that never needs to be made? Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure three. Yeah, three. What? I never saw one or two. One was pretty good, actually. Was it? Two is. You can't do it without George Carlin. Yeah, that's true. Because he, where's the phone booth and where's George Carlin? That's gotta, right. Exactly. Gotta have George. How come yeah. you guys have gray hair? Well, they're in their fifties <laughs> now, apparently. I watched a movie last night that Tim Lammer said that we should all watch. What, what is, is it? it? Borg versus McEnroe. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. He was it? it was really good. good. It was really good. There's we watched tennis it last in it. <laughs> kind of like I Tanya, sort of good, in a way. Yeah, but it was hard because it was like I didn't know who won because it's about their oh. Wimbledon match. Yeah. And I d- couldn't decide who I wanted to win more, like when they were playing. I was like, I don't know which one I want to pick. Oh, it didn't make McEnroe seem like an absolute jerk? Yes. Oh. It did. So but why would you want him ta- to win? But it also talked, like, because Borg was known as, like, non-emotional. Right, he and, was a, yeah. Yeah. like a robot. Yeah. Super great shape and yeah, but it which was, was like unusual for days. a reason. Like how he got that way is like the backstory because oh. it's a Swedish movie. There's Swedish subtitles, okay. but the, it's like half English, half Swedish. Um, so it's like the it focuses sort on of like overboard. Yeah, it focuses yeah. on Borg more, and it focuses on his childhood and stuff like that, and how he. I would like to see that. It was good. Who plays McEnroe? Anybody famous? Um, Shia LaBeouf. Oh, I heard he's really good. He was yeah. really good in yeah, it, yeah. He did yeah. a good job. Yeah. He's fantastic. Him getting mad and swearing at people. That's a, probably a lot of acting going on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, he never casting. gets upset. I know. But yeah, it was really good. We watched it last night. We were both sitting in the living room, kind of staring off into space. And I was and like, it was I'm just raining, start yeah. this movie. So we watched it, and it was really good. Well, good. See, there you go. Lammers is usually right, I'd say. Yeah, he's pretty good at picking movies, actually. He told us that one horrible train... Yeah, one. that Interstellar was it? No, not Interstellar. The snow and the yeah. train and nothing oh ever God. happened, and so people bad. were stuck on a train, and I there no was idea like, what I, it was, I, was I it an alien? I don't Murder even know. Murder on the Orient Express. No, 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 no. It was something really weird. It I was remember terrible. that movie, and it was oh, so. so yes, I do remember that. What was that yeah. called? It was horrendous. Horrible movie. Yeah, he's an idiot. Yeah, Lammer's a moron. Let's be honest. Come on. What's that stupid movie? And after hearing you guys talk about it, I can't wait to go find that movie. What am I supposed to Boring train movie? Snow train. Don't want to know the name of it. Snow chugger or whatever? It was something to do with snow. Snow chugger. Is that it? Snow train. It's like that. It's almost exactly like that. It's just called something else. Horrible. Indeed. Yeah, and he liked it. Washington, D.C. is calling me. What do they want? I don't know. Probably Donald Trump Just wanting to your social you. security number. I'm Snow on the P- air. It's 364 2989 I'm sure all the critics loved it. But I don't think so. I wouldn't doubt that it at all. It was so boring. It played it right really to boring. all of the, you know. It was so Yeah, it has bad. a 95%. Are Not, you kidding? Ah! <laughs> yep. Wow. A 95%. It was bad. It was so bad. American prisoners Kim <laughs> Dong-chul, Kim Hak-song, and Kim Sang-duk are once again free men on their way home following their release Wednesday from North Korea. 
I am pleased to inform you that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is in the air and on his way back from North Korea with the three wonderful gentlemen that everyone is looking so forward to meeting. They seem to be in good health, Trump tweeted early today. Well, that's good. Trump later tweeted that the plane would be touching down stateside at 2 a.m. on Thursday, and I will be there to greet them. CNN notes that Kim Dong-chul has been in prison since before Trump's election. And then Trump uh, also put on their... No, he did not. MAGA. (laughs) Yeah, MAGA. Make America... What was what? Uh, oh, that was on Will and Grace, where what a woman wanted MAGA put on put on a birthday cake, uh, just MAGA. Yeah, yeah. And the the baker hated Trump, so he put <laughs> an I dash in front of MAGA and a Y at the end of MAGA, so it said I am gay. <laughs> I'm gay. Oh boy. I'm gay. That's really nice. I'm a gay, I guess it would have been. So yeah. apparently there are yeah. gay eighth graders after all. Yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm, I'm a gay is what it's Well, like. one of the kids in my middle school who, you know, went around calling everyone gay ended up gay. So. Well, see. Oh, really? Yeah. Whatever works for him, right? So Proves the old whatever you say bounces off me and sticks, <laughs> yeah. sticks to I'm you. Sometimes it is. Is that what we're going with? Sometimes it is latent homosexuality that they're. You know, trying to project onto others. Well, I think yeah. it's just a human condition that if that, that if you're trying trying to figure yourself out, you kind of project it out at other people. And yeah, that's some, probably true. Maybe some. I'm sure some little children don't know. No, until no, they're no older, if they are or not. How so, could you? Yeah. Some yeah. random facts for you. Oh, by the way, Tony, how much time do you have today? Because you've uh, got to get hit. I guess it. I got about another 20, 25 minutes. Okay, because I just want to make sure we we talk about the Gold Star Ride again before you go. So. Uh, so you can stay for the rest of the segment. You can stay for another 10 minutes. Sure. Okay. Uh, here's some random facts for your Wednesday. The projectile vomit in The Exorcist was from a famous California restaurant called Pea Soup Anderson's. <laughs> Their soup looked more like vomit on camera than Campbell's Pea Soup did. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah, I did know that it was Pea Soup. I, like, I did know. That. I don't know why, though. Sounds like an advertising slogan. Our pea soup looks more pea like soup vomit. Is more pretty like vomit. I mean, <laughs> as somebody that's vomited, definitely more than, more than most. It does not yeah. look probably anything. all of you. It doesn't look yeah, anything no. like vomit. If no. you watch, like, the, I'm a vomit expert at this point. Are you? <laughs> if you watch that <laughs> scene, no, it looks as fake as yeah, anything. It doesn't look like vomit. But at all. back then, special but on effects. Screen, Probably on screen. It looks like she ate pea soup and then yeah. threw it up right away. <laughs> well, there's a lot of things like that where um, I just watched some movie from the 80s, but in like, you know, fall HD quality. And some of the... Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of... um. I watched uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. I know, she wants a treat She's really bad. giving Mike the stare <laughs> down of all nuts. tiny little dog is just God. staring him down. Oh. She's like, you give me treats. I was watching uh, Star Trek The Next Generation from the 80s, but in like you know full uh, film that quality. That's my favorite one. And the problem with full film quality is you can like see the transition between the prosthetics and their skin. Oh, because, God. Because yeah. like, in person you could tell, but back then the... Uh, the video was low enough resolution that it was impossible to see. So yeah. a lot oh, of God, those, funny. a lot of things from the eighties and before I all the special okay. effects look really I remember bad. The psycho know. movie, the classic shower scene yes. yeah. where you see the blood running down the drain. The with the Hershey's, Hershey's chocolate, chocolate syrup. Hershey's chocolate yeah. syrup. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Chocolate syrup. Yep. It's true. Cause it's thick like blood, I suppose. Uh, and it was black and white. So yeah. Yeah, it was black and white. So Hey, Alfred Hitchcock, can you imagine if he were alive today, how many women would be going after him, oh, yeah. Harvey oh, Weinstein? Yeah. Oh, I guess he harassed every woman that came everywhere, anywhere near him. Wasn't he just a general awful person? Uh, apparently just a terrible human I being. I think he was, yeah. yeah. I think he was full of himself. No, not Alfred. No, no. not somebody who makes movies. <laughs> Although, <laughs> to tell you the truth, he had to have kind of a sense director. of humor because that... That uh, silhouette of him on the Alfred Hitchcock Hour had the biggest gut of any mm, I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So he, mm-hmm. exactly. So he had some sense of humor about himself. Anyway, dumpty, dumpty. Well, you can say this about him: he only married once, and he was with her for his whole life. So yeah, because he was hitting on everybody else in sight. So well, I think she hated him. You think she did hate him? Yeah. All the reveal. I, I watched a show about them, and oh, you did. She did it not wasn't like great. him. They were not nice to each other. 
Uh, didn't Bill Cosby just prove that the whole longevity of the marriage doesn't necessarily <laughs> <That's true. laughs> really prove anything about your extracurricular activities? I still well, love in, the fact, in Hillary. In Hollywood and politics, I don't think marriages a lot of times mean anything. No. I still love the fact that Camille's trying to claim it's all racist. Yeah. <laughs> the only reason he was charged is because of racism. Well, no, it's the so. last play they have. I suppose. Well, it's not a play because he's going to probably die in prison, unfortunately. I don't would, know. I, I don't, he'd probably die before he gets there. Yeah. Yeah, he might. In his state, why not just put an ankle bracelet on I, him and say, That's what I say. Yeah. Why yeah. should we pay for him to go to prison at this point? Just keep him in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Is he, is he He's going to stay home until the appeal is done anyway, and that's two more years, right? Yeah. Two more years. Then they can yeah. maybe even stretch that out if they He want. was my hero for a I long know. time. A lot of people loved him. Mm-hmm. I liked him a lot, too. Yep. I did. I really did. I even liked his books. Yeah, never I never read, read one. Of he, he had one about parenting, about how important it is to have a father in your house, and fathers need to take responsibility and do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's what we're seeing today with um, a lot of guys who are like super into women's rights, and men need to step down, and then they're you know they ended up being like uh, serial harassers. Yeah. They were doing that yeah. because they felt guilty and overcompensated for their, uh, their yeah. guilt. Yeah, I'm sure that's the true. one chapter, oh, Roofies and You, should have been a tip, though. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Roofies <laughs> and You. I don't off. remember reading that chapter. <laughs> I don't either. I don't know how that happened. A- AT&T Stadium in Dallas, where the Cowboys play in the uh, college football championship, was just held, uses more energy on game days than the entire country of Liberia. <laughs> that's really what? nice. Liberia <laughs> is not in good shape right now, There's not, if you not. can believe it. What happened to Chuck Thomas? Where'd he go? Is he dead? Chuck Thomas. Chuck Thomas was the president of Liberia, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I think so. He was dead. Or Chuck Taylor. That was his name. Chuck Taylor. Oh, oh well, now I didn't know who you were talking about. <laughs> Chuck Thomas was the guy who ran Wendy's, I think. Or I don't, that was Chuck Dave, Dave Thomas. Thomas. Dave Thomas. And Chuck yeah. Taylor's is their sneakers. And their sneakers, yeah. But Chuck <laughs> Taylor also ran Liberia, right? He is still around, and he was the 22nd president of Liberia until 2003. He's named after the tennis shoes. <laughs> See, he has so there you go. 14 children. So uh, been busy. He's 70, but he only has three grandchildren. Where'd all his kids die or something? I hope not. Hmm. I hope not. Well, I don't know. I mean, well, for one... Maybe after growing up with all those brothers and sisters, they don't want to have anything to do with kids. Well, for one, he went to (laughs) prison in 2012 for terror, murder, and rape, so... He did? Yeah. Chuck Taylor. Chuck. That's it for you wearing those tennis shoes, Sprintball. Oh, yeah, Liberia. (laughs) You're out. Not good. Not good. That whole idea. No did the, the United States bought that land, right, where Liberia sits now? I think so. And it was, in some way, the people back then in America thought that if America bought the country of Liberia or renamed it Liberia or whatever, and then whoever, whichever happy. slave families wanted to go back to Africa, they would go back to Liberia. But the idea just never worked out, did it? No. I mean, did it ever work? I don't think so. Well, wait, there was, before it was Liberia, it was called something else, and it was doing pretty well. What was it? But I for Equatorial Guinea? No, I think that's somewhere else. I don't know. I, I have the, no idea. The, the entire continent of Africa has had, every country has had 3,000 different names, so. They have changed Hard to keep well. track. Well, it's because they would, they, I know. you know. Uh, because the British would invade or the yeah, French the f- would invade yeah. or somebody would invade. That's why they kept changing the names of the country. We will be right back. We'll talk to Tony Price more about the Gold Star Ride right after this Tom Bernard Show. Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you can relate to the pure joy of hanging out on the dock. You, family, friends, and the calm of the water. If this sounds like heaven, you're going to want to flow dock. Flow docks are rock solid with double bracing to eliminate side-to-side sway. And get this, you could install, level, and remove your flow dock without even getting into the water. You see, Flow's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make. Right down to Flow boat lifts that are quieter, faster, and effortless to install and use. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Flow is about making things easy, meaning you have more time to enjoy being at the lake. Isn't that why you go there in the first place? See for yourself why they say they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. Call or visit Flo's newest dealer in Chanhassen. Lakeshore Equipment, 
1-800-474-DOC or lakeshoreequipment.com, of course. Flow docks and lifts, a better way. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan, and now you can find out how to have success losing weight at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth, just like me, at their free informational dinner on Monday, May 21st, 6 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. Those unwanted pounds will melt away really fast. I lost over 40 pounds at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth after being educated on clean eating, finding out what foods my body prefers, and I now know the foods that are weight gain triggers. As I've said over and over again, the Nutramost weight loss plan is so easy, they guarantee that you lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Call now to register for the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner on May 21st. To register, call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Too bad, but it's the life you lead. You're so ahead of yourself that you forgot what you need. Though you could see when you're wrong, you know you can't always see when you're right. You're right. You got your Oh, it's his birthday today. He's 69 years old today, isn't he? Yep. Billy Joel, 69 years old He's today. He's only 69? Yes. I know. Wow. Drinking hard old dude will age you. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Have you seen him lately? Yeah. Unless he's had a facelift, he looked bad. He looked pretty good, didn't you think, Alex, last summer? Yeah. yeah. Maybe he had a facelift. Because <laughs> he looked he's terrible fine. there for a while. Well, he just had two kids now. Yeah, he did, yeah. right. He yeah, did. don't do that. We just had Otis Williams from The Temptations on this morning. He was really? fantastic. Yeah, he was great. We also had Michael Bolton on, and Michael. Uh, Michael's not really good at doing interviews. What happened to him? I heard that. Is <laughs> he you still hear around? It? Well, sort of. What I, he I doing? heard you waiting to talk, and I heard some <laughs> static and some. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but. Uh, yeah, his his voice didn't project very well. Is he coming to town? Is that why he's no, on? No, he's, he's putting out a documentary about uh, Motown, basically, about oh. Detroit, this whole city of Detroit. Because he kind of disappeared off the music scene there Well, no, for a he while. became a crooner. That's why. Well, yeah, but he I went mean, from a rock guy to a kind of a crooner, and I don't know, he's been all over the place. I thought he got the Vegas contract and just decided to hide there for 20 yeah. years. Oh, yeah, maybe. that's not a bad gig. Yeah, that's a possibility, too, I would imagine. Now, let's talk Gold Star Ride, because you got to get going in about 10 minutes here. So I want to make sure we get all the information in so everybody's covered, like Katie Bloomquist. And that, again, was Crimson Cures. Crimson Cures.org. And now, and Gold ac- Star Ride. accidentally wore red in support of that. I well, at happy, least, at least while we were talking accident. to her. Yes. Right. We wear red to remember everyone deployed. It's just kind of a thing that we do in fact today is wednesday right so today's i today's my day to check in with all of my compadres who suffer from ptsd so anybody who's if you happen to know anybody who suffers from ptsd wednesday's check-in day to just send them a text and say just checking on you it's wednesday right so i've got a list of people in my phone oh, and every nice. wednesday they they're uh, going through their ptsd stuff all of the people that i know are are former military so i kind of have a soft spot for them I'm former military myself. Um, branch? World's largest nuclear navy. World's largest nuclear navy? Yeah, that's my navy. rank right there. Look at right. that. What does so, that mean, world's Admiral? largest nuclear navy? Those admiral. of us who were in the navy have a, had a nickname for it in the 80s, and we referred to it as the world's largest nuclear navy. Because oh, okay. it was about the same time that uh, Russia fell apart. The United Soviet, yeah. Soviet Socialist Republic fell apart. So... Then the United States automatically became the largest ah. nuclear navy. Okay. So that was kind of our little thing for it. Um, so, yeah, the Gold Star Ride Foundation is something that we put together to take care of families left behind when somebody is killed in the military. Um, and we do it in a really fun way. We get on our motorcycles and we go visit them at home. And we make sure that everything that we've got to provide for them and help for them is uh, available for them and, and provide them with some education money and it's an awful lot of fun it's a very very powerful experience to be standing there when 150 motorcycles pull up and if you happen to be the gold star family that's the guest of honor under those kind of circumstances it's it's very very powerful uh if i don't if you don't mind i've cited a little bit of an example here dave is a friend of mine he lives out on the west coast Mm -hmm. and dave called me up and he's recanting the story to me and he's telling me how how it went um for him, he, him and his wife had one son, and from the time he was about four, this son 
insisted that he was going to be a Marine. He saw a Marine on TV, loved, fell in love with the uniform, whatever. All right. Going to be a Marine. All growing up, it's going to be a Marine. Going to be a Marine. And he, his wish came true as an adult. And unfortunately, he uh, came to an untimely demise defending our country over oh in the Middle God. East. God. And, uh, well, uh, hopefully nobody listening to this has any experience burying a child. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I heard you guys talking about it once, that, that if a child is, it, it's incredibly difficult for the parents. Yes. It almost I always imagine. ends in a divorce. And yes. that's what happened with Dave and his wife. And I can't remember her name, but uh, their divorce wasn't just a divorce. Theirs was one of those extraordinarily hateful uh-huh. divorces, the kind where oh, if they yeah. saw each other in the grocery store six months later, they were whipping cans of uh, pea soup at each other. Uh-huh. Uh, just really, really, really bad hatred for each other. And um, so they went about their, their lives, and they, they each met somebody new, and the wife met, and they, they were motorcyclists too. I mean, he was, Dave was a motorcyclist, and when he and his wife got along, they would ride together, and his new wife would ride with him. And, and she met somebody else who liked to ride motorcycles, and he said, we're going out for a weekend. Okay, so this is the ex-wife's new husband says, we're going to go out for a ride this weekend. She says, okay, that'll be great. And they actually went with about 125 motorcycles to visit other Gold Star families. And incredible tears and camaraderie, and she found out that she wasn't the only one who lost a kid mm. in the military. Uh, and the result of their weekend together, aside from the emotions that she had to go through, was uh, on Monday morning she called Dave on the phone, and they spoke for three hours. And they found a common ground. And to this day, now that was about five years ago, to this day those two couples, Dave and his new wife and his ex-wife and her new husband, once a week, or excuse me, once a month, we'll go out for a weekend motorcycle ride together. Really? So now wow. they're all best friends. That's good. And oh, this, that's is, this is Very the kind healing. of... healing. Yeah, this is the kind of thing that uh, happens when a Gold Star family is dealing with their own tragedy. Oftentimes, you could be living in a, a dense neighborhood and your neighbors don't even know that... Oh, yeah, that you're, you're a, gone a gold that. star widow or a gold star widower. Mm-hmm. Uh, more and more often now we're visiting gold star families where it was a 21-year-old woman who was killed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of these kind of stories, and there's a story of the kid who, four brothers. You Last time we talked on the podcast here, you brought up the movie from the 40s, The Fighting, the fighting Sullivan. Sullivan's. Yeah. Uh, a movie I went out and watched like two days later. Oh, and what God. a phenomenal movie. Whoa, so, what a movie. So there's family from Arkansas. They got four boys. The oldest joins the military, and he ends up uh, coming home in a casket. And his next younger brother was his best friend, probably had a relationship similar to the Fighting Sullivans from Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his grades just fell off. He was in college, and, his, and he was uh, looking at being kicked out of school because he couldn't keep his grades up, wasn't attending classes. He lost. His mother says that he lost his will to live. Mm. Yeah. Until 75 motorcycles showed up at the dorm, and everything changed. Uh, you know, we we don't have enough time here for me to go into all of the details of what happens when we have one of those visits. Yes, but we basically do. we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> you have another. The eight, visits are an hour long, and. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the other people in the dormitory didn't know what was going on. All of a sudden, we had 300 people watching us. And now, not only does he have the, the 75 bikers that are there sharing their power, and somehow the power from the motorcycles transfers into mm-hmm. the people that we go visit. And it's, it's a really a life-changing experience. And it's, and it's something that, um, even beyond all of that, only 7% of the people in the United States of America ever put on a uniform to stand and defend a uh, defense of this wonderful country that we have. Mm-hmm. And those, the 93% that don't have to put on a uniform generally don't have an understanding of what it means no. when your wife dies or your son dies or your right. father is killed or, mm-hmm. um, and there are some, a lot of weird stories. We don't, uh, uh, this is worth mentioning. There's a, an awful lot of veterans organizations that do an awful lot of different types of things for veterans. But most of them like to draw the line and the and the calendar. The timeline is 9/11. They don't want to help anybody that served prior to 9/11. I've called these organizations. Said, I'm a disabled vet. Can you help me out? Well, when did you serve? Well, I got my discharge in '91. I'm sorry, you served too soon. We don't help anybody prior to 2011. What? There's a lot of organizations that say we start at 9/11, the terrorist attack mm. that really? you announced on the air. Yeah. Uh, 
they, that's where they draw the line. So if you served before Tom Bernard said it was a terrorist act, then we can't help you. What are you laughing at? <laughs> the Smithsonian. Don't I mean, feed I, did you know anymore? <laughs> no, no, did, did you, you see know the that? sign when you came in? <laughs> now, wait a minute. Did you know that that's in the Smithsonian? So, I'm sorry. I was just pal. Calm down. <laughs> Relax, Jack. Listen, it's really easy for this subject to become <laughs> sad. So it is. I, yes. I like to kind of keep yeah. it as light as I can. Up is a good thing. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of organizations that just say, "No, you were pre 9/11, so we're not going to help you." I didn't we don't. Know we don't. That. We, it, yeah, our yeah. policy is that we can't help you if you're pre 9/11. But one of the places we're going to stop and visit, we're going to take off on July 2nd. Met with the good people at Grumpy's again yesterday. Very good. Um, so we're still going to have coffee and donuts. Now we're there talking about putting out a breakfast buffet because I don't like to eat breakfast right. that early in the morning, but a lot of people do. Yeah. So they're talking about doing that July 2nd, and then uh, Minnesota State Troopers are, are telling us that they're going to make sure that we get an escort to the state line. Right. Nice. And then we'll probably have that in most of the states that we go to. But by the time, uh, I want to say about July 25th is when we're rolling through Arkansas, we're going to stop and visit a, a Gold Star sister there who still, to this day, has been traveling for 25 years. Every other year, she goes back to Vietnam looking for her older brother. Oh, oh. man. If, if you want to say another oh, man, the story behind her older brother is there's three helicopters doing a formation in, during the Vietnam War. And they flew over a rice field. One of the helicopters gets shot down. The other two land, and one person volunteers to go check for survivors. Mm-hmm. There's no survivors in the helicopter. He comes back to the helicopter he came from, and he said, I'm going to go tell the other helicopter that there's no survivors. While he's running from one to the other, both helicopters take off, and he's never seen again. Oh, man. This again, is, oh, and, man. And it's his sister that goes back every other year to look oh. for her brother. So we're going to stop and visit her when we get to Arkansas. We have a real special thing. You know, if you're a Vietnam vet, automatically we, we bend the rules for Vietnam vets, whatever yeah. Vietnam vets want. Yeah. The, the horror stories that we can recant about what happened when Vietnam veterans came home are um, a, just a beyond appalling. So I don't want to get into too much of that. But, um, yeah, if, you, if you're a Vietnam vet and you stop out and see us, we're, we're going to have a booth at... Grumpy's in Northeast Minneapolis for Art of World on May 19th. They're going to block off the streets, have a big street dance for the Art of World right in front of Grumpy's in, in Northeast Minneapolis. We'll have a booth there. And if you're a Vietnam vet, I will bring Cuban rum for you to enjoy. Uh-oh, what'd you get that? Cuba. Uh, actually, <laughs> Cuba. Uh, do you know Dave over at Manny's? I do, yes. Dave gave me that bottle as a birthday gift. Oh, he go. went to visit there, I think, a year ago or so, and, and uh, he, gave, he presented me a bottle of Cuban rum as a birthday gift on his return. So I share it with uh, Vietnam veterans who stopped by to see us. And incidentally, we had the booth at the Heat Street last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. yeah, you we had a lot of fun with that, talked to a lot of people, made a lot of contacts, raised over $1,000 that day. So that was all pretty awesome and good. And how do people donate? No. goldstarride.org Gold and as Star Doug Ride. was saying Ride. earlier if you just want to send me an email it's info I-N-F-O at goldstarride.org and I'll answer any emails with uh, as much information as I can share I like it thank you Tony you're welcome thank you very much for having me here it's always a, a lot of fun to just kind of sit around here it's like I get a front row ticket to a wonderful little Entertainment Psychosis. show. Thanks for coming in. Psychosis. <laughs> That's exactly thanks right. Thanks for coming in and thanks for supporting vets. Yes, absolutely, Tony. Thank you for all your I'm, hard I'm work. Glad it's I wonderful. Can do it. It's a wonderful thing. Harold Schechter is on the phone. How are you doing, Harold? Good. Good, thank you. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, Deviant and the latest book, Hell's Princess, the truth behind the twisted crimes that inspired the film Psycho. We were just talking about Psycho. Yeah, we were. <laughs> Harold, uh-huh. that was kind of a coincidence that is, there. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I missed that. <laughs> we made a Psycho reference, but I was referring to myself, so never mind. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's not the same thing. Uh, no, let's hope, let's hope not. No. Uh, inspired the film Psycho, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and the Silence of the Lambs from America's principal chronicler of its greatest psychopathic killers comes a definitive account of Ed Gein, a mild-mannered Wisconsin farmhand who stunned an unsuspecting nation and redefined the meaning of the word psycho. That, Tony, thank you very much, sir. It's unbelievable. Thank your lovely wife for me as well. Somebody's leaving the uh, studio right now, Harold. So. And he left behind us uh, a gift, so I had to thank him. I, I said, uh-huh. That's all there is to it. So, Ed Gein, now, wasn't his name actually pronounced Gain, but they, for some reason, pre- people pronounce it Gein now? 
Uh, I believe it was always pronounced Gein. Um, it was, okay. I, I never, yeah, I never understood why. I mean, you sort of assume from the spelling that it would actually be Gein. Or Gein, um, yeah, that's that's right, yeah. Gein. But, but somebody um, actually, uh, after I wrote the book, explained to me, uh, you know, his father was Scottish, and apparently the original name was McGean, was a Scottish name, and somewhere along the line the MC got dropped, but they still maintained the Gean pronunciation. So, McGean. Uh, yeah, so Gean is correct. Now, what we heard is chill, because that, that thing uh, happened when I was a little boy, a very mm-hmm. little boy. I was five, I think, uh, when it all mm-hmm. happened. And so that name was around for quite some time because people, I mean, it was the 50s. There were still, I guess, I, you can't really say innocence because World War II had just happened previous to that. Um, right. Harold, if you don't mind me taking a very quick break, about a 90-second break, I'll come back, and then we have a full 15 minutes if you can do that. Okay, no problem. Excellent. We'll be right back more with Harold Schechter right after this, Tom Bernard Show. Chris Lindahl's here talk about people wanting to sell their homes, but uh, the problem is they don't know where they're going to go. That's right. Yeah. The biggest challenge right now is, you know, you can sell your house and you can sell your house for more money with the Chris Lindahl team. The issue is, is where are you going to go? You know, are you going to move in with your parents, your grandparents? Are you going to have a hotel, townhome for temporary housing? Or are you going to move in with Tom? Well, they're not going to move in with me. (laughs) They might move in with Chris though, ladies and gentlemen. That's K-R-I-S, by the way. We have to reach right out to him. Where are they going to go? Yeah, so we have a you don't have to move twice guarantee where there's there's five steps that we take at the Chris Lindahl team where we put those things in your contract when we represent you so that you're protected. So you don't move twice. You're in control because you're the seller. And when you find a property, then you sell. It's a wonderful thing. So you've got the answer. I have the answer. Here we go. (laughs) That's why they're America's number one REMAX results team. We'll give the first five callers a free copy of Chris's number one best-selling book, Sold, chrislindahl.com, or you can call 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. It is amazing. We're talking to Harold Schechter, ladies and gentlemen. Am I pronouncing your name properly, Harold? Uh, yes, you are. No, that was Schechter. Harold Schechter. Uh, the book's Deviant, and, which I read, by the way, and thanks for scaring the hell out of me, Harold. I want to pre- uh, well, well, that's what I aim for. <laughs> I really appreciate it. It was really reading that at night. I'm like, oh, my God. Um, um, well, thanks, yeah. Yeah, well, it, it was well written. So, the year was 1957. The place was an ordinary farmhouse in America's heartland, filled with extraordinary evidence of unthinkable depravity. The man behind the massacre was a slight, un- unassuming Midwesterner with a strange smile and even stranger attachment to his domineering mother after her death and a failed. So, Harold, was it true that he, in a way, wanted to become his mother? Uh, yeah, that seems to be, well, he certainly uh, was trying to bring her back from the dead. Uh, and um, he actually uh, apparently made some efforts to dig up her corpse, uh, but um, she had been buried within a kind of concrete vault. Oh. So um, he wasn't able to do it, but he did, you know, uh, Dean was primarily a necrophile. Uh, who would uh, go over and look over the obituary pages uh, of the local newspapers, and whenever some middle-aged or elderly woman died who bore some vague resemblance to his deceased mother, he would go out to the cemetery at night and dig up the corpse and bring it back to his farmhouse and dissect it and make uh, various artifacts out of the body parts. And one of the things he made... Uh, and this is where Thomas Harris uh, got the idea for the Buffalo Bill character right. in Signs of the Lambs. Uh, he made a skin suit, and he oh. would dress himself up um, in the skin suit and apparently <laughs> pretend to be his mother. So that's where Robert Block, who wrote the original novel Psycho, 
you know, got that whole Norman Bates dressing up like his mother idea, although, uh, of course, in Hitchcock's version and, and Block's, he just is content to wear her clothes. He doesn't put on skin. So, no. uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, what's yeah. wrong with these guys? I mean, obviously, I mean, I mean, how do they get this twisted? I mean, yeah. what? Yeah. I, how? Yeah. Well, it's a little, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a mystery. Um, yes, uh, you know, you. I, I was once uh, telling the story to some person, young person, and her response was, "Wow, he was really screwed up." <laughs> um, <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah. Sure. So, um, yeah. You know, we, you don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, we, you know, uh, he, he obviously, well, he was, you know, Gein was judged to be psychotic um, by the psychiatrist who, who ultimately examined him. Uh, you know, most serial murderers are not psychotic. They are psychopathic. Mm-hmm, right. And there's a distinction. You know, they're very rational um in above average intelligence, uh, they lack any capacity for empathy or human conscience. Um, but but they're not you know they're not technically insane. You know, Gein uh, was apparently schizophrenic, and he would hear you know he had hallucinations, uh, visual hallucinations, auditory hallucinations, even olfactory hallucinations. Which smell oh, things oh, really? yeah. So it's got to be um, fairly rare. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, so he was, you know, pretty far gone um, mentally, uh, and really, that's really about all you can say. You know, I mean, it's uh, obviously an extraordinary criminal case, which is why people have been so fascinated by it for the last half century or more. And how how long was he digging up corpses before somebody maybe noticed what was going um, on? Well, his <laughs> mother, yeah, his mother died. I can't remember the exact. It was about a. It was about a dozen years that he was living by himself in this remote ramshackle farmhouse uh, on the outskirts of this little town called Plainfield. Uh, so it was during that period. We, we don't know exactly when he started, you know, making these midnight raids on cemeteries, but there was uh, about a 12-year period where he was all by himself and, and, and you know, potentially engaged in that stuff. <sighs> God, unbelievable. You can uh, go to Amazon and pick up Deviant, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Now we get to move on to Hell's Princess if you want to. <laughs> yeah. You want to spend um, more time on, on Ed Gein and then move on to Hell's Princess? <laughs> it's up to you. Um, whatever you feel like talking about. I mean, you know, uh, either necrophilia or female serial murder, you know, whichever, whichever mm. suits your family. I go for the female serial murder. <laughs> I had enough okay. necrophilia for one day. Um, okay. I have a question for well, you. Hey, there is one thing. What? Uh, Ed's mom told him that all women, except her, of course, were yep. instruments of the devil. So, <laughs> right. Um, That's helpful. Makes sense that he might uh, not like them so much. And also, of yep. course, his yep. dad was an alcoholic. You know, mm-hmm. the yep. old story. Well, he already yeah. said he was Scottish. Thank you very much. Oh, Chris. dear. <laughs> We're sorry to all Scottish people. Yeah. Yes, I'm very yeah. sorry. Our name is Scottish. It is. Barnard is a Scottish name. So, there. It true. It's absolutely true. So we can say it. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so we can say whatever we wish to say about that. Um, Harold, I have to ask you a question about yourself because my wife asks me about this all the time. My family mm-hmm. yeah. is... When we get together, oh. which is not that much anymore. <laughs> oh. yeah, Did you hear that, Harold? <laughs> My wife goes, ugh. When we get together, ugh. <laughs> ugh. She loves family gatherings. <laughs> I grew up with a schizophrenic father. Now, he never killed anyone, but he did see and hear things. Mm-hmm. And we also grew, I also grew up in a neighborhood of very, a, a great deal of violence. A couple of our neighbors were uh, were shot to death. My uncle was thrown off a building and killed. Matter of fact, three of my uncles mm-hmm. were murdered. So when my family gathers, we tend to talk about the serial killer of the day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Seriously, they is, do. There, is it something like that that drove you to write Deviant and Hell's Princess? I mean, there's something in your yeah. in your past that kind of made you fascinated by these things. Uh, I would say yes, although you know, fortunately, not the kind of tragedies uh, you know that right. you and your family endured. Right. Um, you know, I, well, for what you're saying about 
you know, when the Gene story broke, you know, you and I are probably, you know, the same generation, you know, yeah. baby yep. boomers. So, you know, what people often tend not to forget or what's kind of been censored out of, you know, historical memory is just how much horrible stuff was in the culture in the 1950s and scary stuff. Yes. You know, all the, you know, Life magazine running these death camp images. And, you know, the movies were full of all these horror. I, I grew up seeing all these, you know, 1950s horror movies and monster movies, mm-hmm. you know, back in uh, in the theater and on TV. You know, there were the EC horror comics, Tales from the Crypt and the Vault of Horror and so on. So, you know, I, I grew up uh, with my imagination, you know, very, very steeped in horror stories and monster stories. And I, <coughs> excuse me, I think it you know, comes from that as much as anything else. You know, when the thing about people like Ed Dean or, you know, Bell Gunnis is subject to my new book, it, you know, they don't just seem like ordinary criminals. They seem almost like fairy tale monsters come right. to life. You know, Dean, you know, like when you're a kid, wherever you grow up, there's always some story about some weird, you know, creepy witch or ogre, you know, who's living in some remote house or you know, in my case, I grew up in New York City in the Bronx. Even in our little apartment building, there was like one apartment, supposedly, you know, that was an old lady, you know, a kind of Hansel and Gretel thing. Oh, so, yeah. you know, that, that, and then you get somebody like Ed Gein, and it's like, you know, this nightmare is, you know, true. Mm. So, so anyway, so, so in answer to your question, yeah, I mean, I think it was my lifelong fascination with horror and the monstrous and so on and so forth, you know, that first drew me to the subject matter. I mean, you know, I became interested in Gein because when I learned, and this is going back about 25 years ago or more, you know, that Psycho and Texas Chainsaw Massacre were based on a real person um, and, you know, the notion that there could be a monster like that in real life was very fascinating to me. Right. No, that makes complete sense. The chilling true account of one of the 20th century's most prolific female serial killers, now an Amazon charts bestseller, Hell's Princess, Harold Schechter, ladies and gentlemen, in the pantheon of serial killers, Belle Gunnis, is that how you say her name? Yes. Belle Gunnis stands alone. She was the rarest of female psychopaths, a woman who engaged in wholesale slaughter, partly out of greed, but mostly for the sheer joy of it. What was her story, Harold? Uh, well, Bell was a Norwegian immigrant uh, who uh, came to the United States um, in the late uh, 19th century um, and uh, murdered, well, she got married to a guy named Mad Sorensen at first and then murdered him for his insurance money. Oh. Uh, yeah, and then she, she used the money uh, to purchase a large farmstead in the town of LaPorte, Indiana, not that far from Chicago. And then she married another guy and murdered him for his insurance money. Uh, and then what she, she began putting these matrimonial ads in Scandinavian-language newspapers in the Midwest, luring lonely Norwegian bachelors to her farm, uh, instructing them to bring all their money with them. And, uh, uh, and you know, they did? Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, Amazing. supposedly they were going to, you know, get married and they would share in this farm and this lovely Norwegian lifestyle that she was offering them. Oh, uh, and then she would kill them and drag their corpses down into the cellar and butcher them, uh, <laughs> chop them up in pieces, you'll, you'll and then probably, bury them. You'll appreciate the irony of the fact that we're about four blocks from one of the most famous restaurants in town called The Bachelor Farmer. That is true. Yeah, maybe they can they can carry copies of my book. Um, Exactly. Um, So uh, anyway, yeah. So she would bury these guys in her hog lot, and um, yeah, and that was her story. Yeah, I mean, she murdered. Nobody knows exactly how many victims she killed. They, they kind of stopped digging after about 12 of them. So. Oh. oh, we're sick of digging now. We're sick of looking for a body. <laughs> yeah. Now, this happened in between 1902 and 1908. Is that correct? Uh, yes, they discovered her crimes in 1908. 1908. Wow. They, uh, I've and, never uh, even heard of her. 
Yeah. Well, um, yeah, she's, you know, certainly more, you know, less well-known, you know, than some of the other big names in the world of serial murder. Um, although, obviously, in LaPorte, Indiana, she's a, kind of a local legend. So. Well, there's not that many uh, women that do that, right? Isn't that kind of a well, man's there aren't that world? Many, well, there, you know, there aren't many women who do the chopping up the body part. Yeah. Um, but there are there have been many many female serial poisoners, um, well, you know, and, and and people tend to think uh, you know I think because of you know the movie Arsenic and Old Lace, mm-hmm. yeah. Was, you know, people tend to think of poison murder as somehow this quaint, you know, Victorian. <laughs> yeah. Of poison. yeah, if you're familiar but, with the symptoms yeah. of poisoning, yeah, it's it's not like in yeah. the movies where no. they drink a vial and they just stop being alive. It's yeah, yeah exactly. a little worse yeah, than that's that. A very very. Yeah, yeah, it's a very sadistic way of killing people. I mean, I say sometimes, you know, Jack the Ripper, you know, actually his victims suffered less, you know, than the victims of these female poisoners. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jack the Ripper basically slit the throats of his victims and all the atrocities he uh. perpetrated were post-mortem, uh, you know, where some of these female serial poisoners take a great deal of sadistic delight in prolonging the agony of their victims mm-hmm. so um but but again but the thing that makes bell unusual possibly unique uh has to do with uh you know the way she disposed of the bodies after mm. she killed them yeah that's gruesome so did he butcher them for meat yep. or just for fun no uh you know i think i think the latter i mean there's yeah no she wasn't she wasn't uh what? You know, she wasn't cannibal at all. And Carnivorous. From the, yeah. She weighed 300 pounds, so she wasn't deprived of food. Oh, um, three bills. So, in 1902, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, so she, no, it was just, uh, you know, just something she apparently enjoyed doing. I mean, she certainly didn't have to chop up their bodies in order to bury them in her backyard. Mm. So. That's very, very true. Both books are available on Amazon, correct, sir? Yes, mm-hmm. Hell's Princess and Deviant, Harold Schechter. It's S C H E C H T E R. Harold Schechter. Thank Harold. Fascinating stuff, and I'm I'm glad you can sleep you. at night after writing these books. <laughs> yeah, well, I've been doing it so long. Um, need a little adore to it, but yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your time, sir. Okay, thank you. Okay. We'll take a break. We'll be back in a few minutes. Tom Bernard Show.